Well, good morning. It is Thursday, January 11th, 2024. Thursday, January 11th, 2024. Slava Ukraine, Slava. Uh, real quick, so in case you didn't hear this yesterday, Chris Christie is out. He has suspended his bid to be president, his campaign. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see a uh, Chris Christie um, uh, Cheney uh, independent ticket. Wouldn't that be interesting? I, he did say uh, when he was when he stepped down from the campaign from the campaign that he did say that he will do anything to stop Trump from being president. So maybe that will happen. PDTV, Political Views TV podcast. That's what you Google to find me. Uh, tell your friends to Google Political Views TV podcast and also up right at the top of the search. I, can I just say how much I appreciate you? In case I never told you that. I really appreciate you. If you can, please bring someone with you today or tomorrow, and you can tweet to me or X to me. Questions or insights or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S, on formerly known as Twitter. Ooh. Thursday. Week's almost over. Just some coffee. Don't worry about me. <clears throat> Uh, let's start as we usually do with the war in Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine's president, Vladimir Zelensky, uh, was in Estonia as part of a tour of the Baltic region that we talked about yesterday. Zelensky said, uh, talking about a ceasefire in Ukraine, it would not constitute peace. It would not mean the war would stop. It also provides no opportunity for political dialogue. But he said the ceasefire between Russia and, U- U- uh, and Ukraine would benefit Moscow, giving it time to replenish its weapons stocks. He said Russia's domestic stock of weapons was becoming depleted and said Moscow was increasingly reliant on drone and missile supplies from its allies, Iran and North Korea. Zelensky said it is no accident they are trying to source Shahid uh, drones from Iran and are in talks for munitions procurements, including from North Korea. Why are they doing it? Because they can't keep up. Their warehouses are emptying. But if there is a break in the fighting and Russia is given two or three years, they may recover their strength and secure a battlefield advantage. And this while Republicans are dragging their feet. We are this close to burying Russia, the new Russia. Maybe we can force them uh, uh, into a new glasnost. Anyway, Uh, Zelensky said in a post on formerly Twitter that he and Lithuanian President Gitanas Nocera signed a new defense support agreement. Uh, Zelensky said, I am grateful for Lithuania's new defense support that we have agreed upon not only aid, but also joint production, particularly of anti-drone equipment which is critical at the front line, as well as other areas of defense production. We signed relevant documents today. It's not nearly the same amount of aid that the U.S. gives, and and, and it's even all of Europe. They give a lot of aid, but it's not the same as what U.S. gives. U.S. is is the uh, elephant in the room, and we need that aid. Oh, and the obstructionists are at it again. We'll get to that. Uh, The U.N. Security Council discussed Russia's alleged use of North Korean weapons in Ukraine. Uh, Russia's U.N. Ambassador Vasily 
Nebenzia said Western states had called the session an exercise in anti-Russian propaganda. But he didn't exactly mention anything else. Uh, Stop short of making an unequivocal, uh, unequivocal denial that Moscow had fired North Korean missiles. We have the broken missile parts. We know what you've been doing. United Nations agency will next week ask for $3.1 billion to finance humanitarian... Uh, you know what? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. $3.1 billion to finance humanitarian assistance for Ukraine in 2024. Edom Wasornu. Uh, Director of Operations and Advocacy Division for the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs told the UN Security Council that the war had driven high levels of humanitarian need and that financial support had to be sustained. NATO allies said they would continue to provide Ukraine with major military, economic, and humanitarian aid and outlined plans to provide billions of euros of further capabilities in uh, 2024 to Ukraine. NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg said the alliance strongly condemned Russia's attacks and would boost Ukraine's air defenses. Of course, these are a lot of words. And we have Viktor Orban of Hungary. They really need to change their rules. The minority cannot stop the majority from doing what it needs to do. Just like here in the United States, which happens all the time. UK Ministry of Defense said today a cold snap in you, and we'll get to that. The Freedom Caucus? Ah, oh, jeez. UK Ministry of Defense said today a cold snap in Ukraine with snow and freezing ground temperatures is hampering conditions, operating conditions for both Russian and Ukrainian forces. The ministry said, on formerly known as Twitter, the worsening conditions will be compounded by shortened daylight hours, making operation conditions difficult for both sides, which will have to rely on cold weather and night vision equipment to operate. Uh, okay. I, this is just the scientist in my head. I'm sorry. I, I, I have to say something about his statement. Conditions will be compounded by shortened daylight hours. The shortest day of the year was December 20th, I believe, or 22nd, 21st. When was it? Um, The days are now getting longer. I I just had to point that out. I I, I mean, it's really not relevant, but I had to point it out because I'm a big old nerd. Uh, Finland, Interior Ministry announced uh, today Finland is keeping uh, keeping all its border crossing points with Russia closed until February 11th. The Finnish government uh, announced December 14th that it would temporarily close the border crossing points on Finland's eastern border for one month to stop what it called instrumentalized migration at Finland's eastern border. It accused Russia of deliberately sending migrants to its border crossing the... crossing to threaten national security and public order. Russia denied the claims, as they have many times before. Finland's Minister of the Interior, Mari Rantanen, said that the decision to extend the border closure was based on information gathered by authorities, suggesting it is very likely that Russian hybrid influence activities will resume and expand as we saw earlier. 
We therefore consider it necessary to keep the eastern border closed. The risk that instrumentalized migration will resume at the eastern border poses a serious threat to national security and public order in Finland. According to the authorities, it is clear that the Russian authorities or other actors have been facilitating instrumentalized migration. The phenomenon also involves international crime. Uh, that's what she said. Authorities in Belgorod continued and evacuated 392 more children from the Russian border city after weeks of shelling from Ukrainian forces. Some 300 residents had already left the city. Russia and Ukraine reported intense battles along the front line in south and east around Avdivka, Mariinsky, Kupiansk, and Kherson. Uh, Russia claimed Ukraine had lost uh, at least 450 soldiers in the confrontations, while Ukraine claimed it had killed 800 Russian troops. The regional governor said late yesterday two Russian missiles, uh, missiles struck a hotel in the center of Ukraine's second largest city of Kharkiv, injuring 11 people, one person seriously. Kharkiv uh, governor Ole Senehubov, On Telegram said the strike at about 10.30 p.m. local time involved S-300 missiles in the city's Kiev district. Uh, he said nine of those injured have been taken to medical facilities. One of them, a 35-year-old man, is in serious condition. Kharkiv uh, police chief uh, Volodymyr Timoshko uh, said one missile hit next to the hotel right by a fence. The other One hit a nearby annex. Servicemen never stayed in the hotel, and just about everyone in Heart Cave knows this. It was used by journalists, which means it's a war crime targeting journalists. Now that I have your attention, let's move on to other war crimes. Let's try and fix the world. Yeah, speaking of war crimes. This morning, South Africa brought its case before the International Criminal uh, International Court of Justice at The Hague the, uh, that Israel is engaged in a genocidal assault on the Gaza Strip, subjecting them to merciless bombing with the clear intent to wipe out the Palestinian population. South African attorney Tembeka Ngukatobi Nguka Tobi said while uh, presenting the case, I think I did pretty good. Nguka Tobi said while presenting the case, uh, they have deplored anyone feeling sorry for the uninvolved Gazans, asserting repeatedly that there are no uninvolved, that there are no innocents in Gaza. I just want to, uh, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, he's claiming that this is what Israel is saying. Anyway, uh, that the killers of the women and children should not be separated from the citizens of Gaza and that the children of Gaza have brought this upon themselves. Remarks from the hearing came from South Africa Justice Minister Ronald Lamola, South African Ambassador to the Netherlands, uh, Visimuzi Maradzela, lawyer Adila Hassim and international law professor John Dugard, each of whom laid out an aspect of South Africa's case against the Israeli government. Uh, Hassim uh, argued that 
Israel's first genocidal act is the mass killings of Palestinians in Gaza, of which I'll say Biden specifically is complicit. He said, no one is spared, not even newborns. UN chiefs have described it as a graveyard for children. Hassim made the case that Israel is guilty of violating Articles 2A, 2B, 2C, and 2D of the Genocide Convention, which defines genocide as harm inflicted, as he said, with intent to destroy in whole or in part a national, ethical, racial, or religious group. Israel has deliberately imposed conditions on Gaza that cannot sustain life and are calculated to bring about its physical destruction. Israel has forced forced the displacement of about 85% of the Palestinians in Gaza. There is nowhere safe for them to flee to. The attorney also played footage of Israeli soldiers chanting that they will wipe off the seed of Amalek and that there are no uninvolved civilians in Gaza. And let's not forget the verbiage from Israeli leaders. Nguka Tobi said, Israel's political leaders, military commanders, and persons holding official positions have systematically and in explicit terms declared their genocidal intent. These statements are then repeated by soldiers on the ground in Gaza as they engage in destruction of Palestinians and the physical infrastructure of Gaza. And and we went through all those things said in past stories. I, I remember that time I did the story when they were when when they uh, in Congress when they ha- when they had the heads of the uh, universities there. And I and I gave you a list of things that Israel said, but in act uh, that um, that uh, Hamas said, and they were all war crimes. But in actuality, it was what Israel said. I fooled you, didn't I? <laughs> uh, honestly, it was what Israel said about Palestinians. Honestly, I don't know how Israel will be able to counter this. I, I, it's it. it boggles my mind except for political reasons and U.S. getting their filthy mitts inside and convincing people to vote against it. It is so obviously a case of genocide, but they will have their defense tomorrow. But how? Even last night, uh, before the hearing, Israeli government officials repeated what they've been saying, Israeli lawmakers from right-wing Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's uh, Likud party again spoke of ethnic cleansing. In an interview with uh, Hakol Barama Radio, Deputy Neset Speaker Nassim Vatari said he did not regret the November call for Israel to stop being humane and burn Gaza now. Vatori said, I stand behind my words. It is better to burn down buildings rather than to have soldiers harmed. There are no innocents there, referring to Palestinian civilians trapped in northern Gaza. Vatori added that he has no mercy for those who are still there. We need to eliminate them. He did not refer to Hamas. He was referring to all of Gaza. Knowing the Hague, would be watching Israeli Attorney General Gali Baharov Miara warned 
lawmakers to tone it down, but the hatred of Palestinians is too strong to tame. She said officials are obligated to act according to the principles of international law and the laws of war. She's speaking to Israeli lawmakers. Uh, Statements that call for, among other things, intentional harm to uninvolved civilians are against the prevailing policy and may constitute criminal offenses, including incitement. Incitement? Oh, you mean like what Trump did on January 6th? Oh, yeah. That's illegal? Gee, what a shock. Anyway, that was Tuesday. And then yesterday, Danny Dannon, a former uh, United Nations ambassador now serving in the Neset, uh, Israel's Neset, said in a radio interview that Israel must not do half a job in Gaza. Dannon, in November, co-authored an op-ed for, uh, what was it? Was that the New York Times? I forget what it was. Uh, Suggesting the ethnic cleansing of some of Gaza's population to Western countries that would accept the refugees. The genocide case by South Africa against Israel is backed by Pakistan, Turkey. Uh, Pakistan joined uh, just like a couple days ago. Uh, Pakistan, Turkey, Malaysia, Venezuela, Jordan, Bolivia, and other nations. But there is one voice in the Neset. One voice. Leftist Israeli lawmaker Ofer Kasif is being targeted for removal from the Neset after becoming the first parliamentarian to express support for the ICJ's genocide case against his country. I say make him prime minister. Listen, Israel made the insane claim that South Africa was an arm of Hamas. Israel's foreign ministry said in a statement that South Africa is functioning as the legal arm of Hamas terrorist organization in a case built on false and baseless claims. South Africa seeks to allow Hamas to return to commit the war crimes, crimes against humanity, and sexual crimes they committed repeatedly on October 7th. October 7th is a one-trick pony. Stop using it. Seriously. That doesn't excuse your war crimes. Moving on to another war crime. Let's talk about another war crime. And you can you can view this. You can view this. I'm going to tell you exactly where to go to view this. It is stunning. Footage recorded on November 12th and published this week by Middle East Eye shows Hala Kreis and her five-year-old grandson, Taim Abdel. Abdel at the head of a group of Palestinians, many of them waving white flags as they followed Israeli instructions to flee the relentless IDF and bombardment of Gaza City. Right? This five-year-old is walking beside his grandmother waving the white flag. As a shot rings out, the grandmother collapses and Abdel, the five-year-old, still clutching that piece of white cloth He was waving, runs for his life. The person recording the video shouted, according to translation, the woman got shot. The bastards shot the woman. No one should go out into the street. I saw the video. Ambassador Majed Bamya posted it on Twitter. Uh, It's at M-A-J-E-D-B-A-M-Y-A. Majed, M-A-J-E-D-B-A-M-Y-A. Even knowing it was coming, I even, I, I, I'm watching and I said, oh, okay, it's going to be that woman right there. 
even knowing it was coming, it was shocking. Shocking. There were dozens of eyewitnesses who spoke out about it. But there's video. There's video and eyewitnesses. The IDF has not commented on Crease killing, uh, Crease's killing, the grandmother's killing, which is a war crime. So how much does the pro-Israel lobby invade politics here in the United States? What do you think? Is a lot. Is a lot of money. The Guardian reported yesterday that members of Congress who expressed more support for Israel during the first six weeks of its war in Gaza received $125,000, $125,000 on average from pro-Israeli lobby groups and individuals during their last elections. In contrast, lawmakers who expressed pro more pro-Palestinian views only received $18,000 on average. Wow, that's a lot. That's like, what, eight, eight times? Uh, about eight times. Um, that is a huge amount of money difference. The group Justice uh, Democrats posted in response uh, to, to the Guardian article, one of the main reasons most members of Congress don't represent the majority of Americans who want a ceasefire the Israel lobby gave Congress $58 million last cycle. Only 33 members didn't receive donations. This dark money poisons our democracy. I, really? Y you think? Iran has seized a Marshall Islands flagged oil tanker in the Gulf of Oman. Uh, uh, um, that Gulf is just east of Saudi Arabia between them and Iran which is south of uh, Russia. Um, the St. Nicholas was in transit between the Iraqi port of Basra and its intended destination in Turkey. A UK maritime trade operation said yesterday it had received a report that four to five unauthorized persons reportedly wearing military-style black uniforms with black masks had boarded the ship at uh, 3.30 uh, in the morning GMT. Iranian state media quoted the army as describing the vessel as being American. It is unclear why, as the tanker is Greek-owned. The company that manages it, Empire Navigation, said it was loaded with 145,000 tons of crude oil and was carrying 18 Filipinos and one Greek person as crew. This latest act appears to be uh, separate from the attacks carried out by Houthi rebels from Yemen and the Red Sea on the opposite, uh, opposite side of the Arabian Peninsula. Uh, in other words, uh, the Red Sea is west of um, uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, and you know what? This might be just pirating, trying to make some money. Who knows? Who knows? Iran would like to use the, uh, some money. So the debate happened last night. I call it dueling vagueness. They were very vague <laughs> uh, on, on what they wanted to be uh, do as president. Uh, and that's deliberate. It's better to let people fill in the blanks with your thoughts than to tell them what you're going to do and run the, uh, the risk of losing them. According to polls, they were almost even on who uh, people believed uh, thought won the debate. On the whole, they are, I, I think, uh, uh, I think Haley did a little better. 
Uh, she had a zinger at the be- at beginning about a, a drinking game. Anyway, uh, on the whole, they are two sides of the same coin. No matter how much they debate, they are for the same thing. The only common ground, though, was they thought Trump should have shown up. But there was no reason for him to do that. It would only serve to show how stupid he is. Uh, one thing, it would serve to show how stupid he is for showing up in the first place but also show how stupid he is, he is when he started debating. <laughs> One thing interesting, DeSantis said he would not serve as Trump's vice president. Interesting. On Social Security, I, and that means Ramaswamy is going to be Trump's vice president. You wait, uh, you wait and see. He, says, he said, he, he claimed yesterday that he's decided. I think it's going to be Ramaswamy, but we'll see. One thing interesting. Uh, Okay, wait a minute. On on Social Security, Haley said on how benefits are decided, she said, instead of cost of living increases, we we should do increases based on inflation. Okay, I want you to think about that statement. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Cost of living is already based on inflation. It's cost of living. DeSantis claimed Biden released 8 million migrants into the population. That was one of the biggest lies of the night. The biggest lies ever. Uh, The actual number, still still big, 2.3 million. Uh, But, uh, okay, okay. You know what? You've, uh, You've heard me talk about the Cato Institute before, right? I'll add this. The Cato Institute, which is a far, far right organization. I mean, Cato Institute is so far right, it's scary. It's like, it's like um, uh, uh, Koch Brothers far right. That's how far right it is. They did a study and found the Biden Department of Homeland Security has removed higher percentage of arrested border crossers in the first two years than the Trump uh, Department of Homeland Security did over its last two years. Moreover, migrants were more likely to be released after a border arrest under President Trump than under President Biden. In absolute terms, the Biden DHS is removing three and a half times as many people per month as Trump DHS did. Under Biden, the Department of Homeland Security made over 5 million arrests in its first 26.3 months. And it removed nearly 2.6 million, 51%, while releasing only 49%. In other words, the Trump DHS removed a minority of those arrested, while the Biden administration, DHS, removed a majority. Biden managed to increase the removal share while also increasing the total removals by a factor of three and a half. Again, I, and let me tell you, just remind you, this is the Cato Institute. You know there's a lot more on the debate. I'm not really going to get into it. You should have watched it. I don't care. <laughs> So do you think Trump would ever help Ukraine if he became president? Uh, Thierry Breton, 
a French commissioner who is responsible for the European Union's internal market, said Trump made remarks to the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen at the World Economic Forum in Davos in January 2020. What were those remarks, you say? Breton quoted Trump as saying during the Davos uh, meeting, he said, you need to understand that if Europe is under attack, we will never come to help you and support you. By the way, NATO is dead and we will leave. We will quit NATO. I'm not kidding. Trump also said, and by the way, you owe me $400 billion because you didn't pay, you Germans. What do you, what you had to pay for uh, defense? You didn't pay. A spokesperson for the Biden campaign said the idea that he would abandon our allies if he doesn't get his way underscores what we already know to be true about Donald Trump. The only person he cares about is his, himself. So if you think aid for Ukraine will continue under Trump, well, this is me saying that. You better forget it. And you know what? He really does only care about himself. Well, you remember the recent report about all the money he was making and all his, all his plans to make more money when he becomes president? Wow. Yeah, that's coming. Uh, so if you think the GOP can't possibly be more dysfunctional, we're moving on to Congress. If you think the GOP can't possibly be more dysfunctional, yeah, you'd be wrong. Yesterday, just over a week away from a partial government shutdown, 13 far-right Republicans in the Freedom Caucus and the U.S. House of Representatives protested Speaker Mike Johnson's bipartisan spending deal by joining Democrats to tank an unrelated procedural vote. Punchbowl News, Jake Sherman said, the House is essentially frozen again. The GOP leadership cannot bring up any bills that are not already noticed on the suspension calendar. And conservatives just killed leadership's ability to bring up any bills under a rule. Last October, far-right House Republicans ousted then-Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who ultimately resigned from Congress at the end of the year, uh, end of last year, reducing his party's majority and even replacing him with uh, Johnson, uh, you know, Republican from Louisiana, for doing the same thing negotiating with Democrats. And the deals made are essentially the same. This deal is essentially the same as what McCarthy did. Johnson's election was seen as a sign of the far right's hold on Republican on the Republican Party. But he and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer still reached a spending agreement on Sunday that largely aligned with the deal McCarthy and President Joe Biden negotiated last year while passing the Fiscal Responsibility Act to prevent a U.S. default. Explaining the far-right revolt, House Freedom Caucus Chair Bob Good, a Republican from Virginia, reportedly told journalists, we're making a statement that the deal, as has been announced, that doesn't secure the border and doesn't cut out spending and is going to be passed apparently under suspension of the rules with predominantly Democrat, uh, Democrat votes is unacceptable. As the vote failed, Johnson left the floor and huddled in his office with Republicans on the Rules Committee, including Representative Chip Roy from Texas, Republican, who has flirted with trying to oust the Speaker after the top-line spending agreement. Roy said as he was leaving Johnson's office about the potential that additional bills go down, 
He said, we'll see. Right now, the point here is that we're not remotely satisfied. Appearing on Fox News after the revolt, Johnson stressed that he too is a conservative hardliner and dismissed concerns that he may be ousted like McCarthy was just a few months ago. I'd say, me personally, don't underestimate the dysfunction of the Republican Party. Johnson said that I don't think I'm in any jeopardy of being vacated, but others were quick to frame the vote as a signal that a motion to vacate may be coming soon. Uh, Representative Summer Lee, Democrat from uh, Pennsylvania, said the GOP can't manage to pass rules largely unheard of before this Congress. They're about to chase off another speaker and they're showing revenge porn in committee again. The 118th Congress. I... Uh, who was it here who said this will happen in a couple of weeks? Who was it? Who was it? That's I'm raising my hand, by the way. <laughs> uh, closing arguments in Trump's civil fraud trial have begun today. Trump showed up. He did a brief press conference. He said this should never have been brought and it was brought and it's unfair and called it and he used his favorite phrase. It's a witch hunt. Attorney General James, Letitia James statement. Uh, uh, at, at the beginning of the trial. Uh, throughout this trial, we revealed the full scale and scope of that fraud. I am proud of the case we presented, and I am confident that the facts of the rule of law are on our side. Although the former president is expected to be, uh, uh, is has been in the courtroom, the judge denied his request to make his own closing statement after his lawyers did not agree to limit what he could say. Uh, the judge uh, had sent us <laughs> a request, said Trump would have to limit his remarks to commentary on the relevant material facts that are in evidence and application of the relevant law to those facts. The lawyers knew that would be absolutely impossible. So they said, okay, we can't let Trump do it. (laughs) Uh, Up to $370 million is on the line. $370 million is on the line and the possible loss of Trump's ability to do business in New York. That's what's on the line. We will see what happens. Uh, Remember, we talked about that summer food program. Children get school lunches, but when summer rolls around, there is no schools for lunch. The U.S. Department of Agriculture, uh, uh, Agriculture announced summer food aid for kids. It was one, uh, it was one state Now more than a dozen Republican state leaders are rejecting the assistance. The USDA said that 21 million children in 35 states are expected to be fed by the Summer Electronic Benefit Transfer, EBT program, set to launch this year, providing low-income parents with benefits to purchase food for their kids. In states that are accepting the federal funds, families with low income below the poverty level who already receive free or reduced price lunches during the school year will be provided with $120 per child or $40 each summer month to purchase food at the grocery store and other retailers. Along with Oklahoma, the other 14 states that are not participating in the $2.5 billion summer EBT program are Alabama, Alaska, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Iowa, Louisiana, South Carolina, Mississippi, Nebraska, South Dakota, Texas, Vermont, and Wyoming. Vermont? That's kind of interesting. In Florida, 
public policy analyst Vanessa Brito noted that Republican Governor Ron DeSantis refused the funding weeks after a bill to weaken child labor laws advanced into the state house. He said, fuck those children. If they want to eat, they can work for it. No, I'm kidding. He didn't say that. Uh, The Republican governors of Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, and Wyoming have also refused to expand Medicaid eligibility in their states, leaving low-income families without health care as well as summer meals. Gotta pay for those tax tax cuts to the rich somehow, right? There's a good way. Cut aid to the poor. Uh, Florida. As you know, I could always just stop right there. I, and this is this story is like right out of the onion. But guess what? It's not. It's true. <laughs> In order to comply with the new Florida law that bans certain books, dictionaries and encyclopedias are among the more than 2,800 books that a Florida school district has pulled from library shelves. The Escambia County School District said the books that have been banned pending further investigation may violate HB 1069, which gives residents the right to demand the removal of any library book that depicts or describes sexual conduct. As defined under Florida law, whether or not the book is pornographic. So it could have, it could be, it could just have a description in it. I'm looking at my dictionary right now. I literally have it open in front of me. Blowjob, an act or instance of fellatio. See also oral sex. Uh Uh-oh, time to toss this book. Oh, man, spelling be damned. I should not be allowing, uh, allowed to learn to spell if I have to read such a pornographic dictionary. <laughs> Rather than considering complaints, the es- Escambia County School Board adopted an emergency rule last June that required the district's libraries to conduct a review of all library books and remove titles that may violate HB 1069. Uh, you know, I, the B section of the encyclopedia that has uh, blowjobs, that's got to be gone too, right? Uh, each school in Escambia County has thousands of titles. As a result, many school libraries were closed at the beginning of the school year pending the completion of the review. In addition to Webster's Dictionary and Thesaurus for Students and the American Heritage Children's Dictionary, Escambia County is denying students access to biographies of former Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, the singer and songwriter Beyonce, and talk uh, talk show host Oprah Winfrey, according to a list obtained by the Florida Freedom to Read Project. Those are some of the uh, some of the writers or books that are out. The list also includes the Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank. Uh, the Escambia County School Board banned most of these books at the request of Vicki Baggett, one woman a high school English teacher in the county. Baggett is responsible for hundreds of challenges in Escambia County and neighboring counties. Some crazy right-wing bitch. Alabama. Eh, Usually I can stop right there with Alabama, too. Uh, Alabama and Florida are are really, you know, the butt jokes of of, uh, right-wing Republicans. A federal lawsuit alleges... The bodies of two men 
who died while incarcerated in Alabama's prison system were returned missing their hearts or other organs when they were returned to the families. Uh, the family of Brandon Clay Dotson, who died in a state prison in November, filed a federal lawsuit last month against the Alabama Department of Corrections and others, saying his body was decomposing and his heart was missing when his remains were returned to his family. In a court filing in the case last week, the daughter of Charles Edward Singleton, another deceased inmate, said her father's body was missing all of his internal organs when it was returned in 2021. The lawsuit states, defendants outrageous in an excusable mishandling of the deceased bodies amounts to a reprehensible violation of human dignity and common decency. Are you listening to this, Israel, in case that story is true that you, of what you did? Anyway, adding that their appalling misconduct is nothing short of grave robbery and mutilation. And that's a nicer way of looking at it. And I want you to think about this. Could the prisoners have been targeted because of their organs? In other words, do you think they could have been alive? Dotson's family, while seeking information about what happened to his heart, discovered that other families had similar experiences. A federal judge held a hearing in Dotson's case last week. It was reported that the hearing provided no answers about the location of the heart. That seems like a problem that somebody needs to look into, don't you think? Anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening. Thursday, January 11th, 2024. Thursday, January 11th, 2024. Man, do I appreciate you so much. Uh, bring someone with you if you can today or tomorrow. PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me, those four words. I'll show up right at the top of the search. Tweet to me in, uh, questions or insights or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S on formerly known as Twitter. And remember, always remember, government profit is measured by the betterment of the people. Don't you ever forget that. I'm Peter Lawrence, reporting from Los Angeles. Thank you.